Sanskrit is considered to be a revealed language. And uh, what, what that means is that the sound is, a, is actually the sound form of the divine. It's called the name. So these names, these sounds, are actually the form of that blissful reality that we are all already, the love that lives within us. Welcome to the Krishna Das Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishna Das shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishna Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. Ram, Ram, Ram. 
Jeram Ram 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 Sita Okay, here's questions. Are the lyrics Hindi? Yes. Well, Hindi and Sanskrit. Sanskrit and Hindi. Hindi comes from Sanskrit. So these lyrics, as you say, are actually what they call the divine names, the names of God, the names of the divine, and they are essentially Sanskrit. Uh, but there's a little Hindi mixed in, but mostly Sanskrit. Hindi is like the, the colloquial version of Sanskrit. <clears throat> Sanskrit is considered to be a revealed language. And uh, what, what that means is that 
the sound is a is actually the sound form of the divine. It's called the name. So these names, these sounds, are actually the form of that blissful reality that we are all already, the love that lives within us. <clears throat> you know you know that OM is supposed to be the, the, the sound, the great sound of the whole universe vibrating. So that's the original mantra, the original sound, OM. And it's the sound of all creation. Inside of that creation, there are many different forms, many different forms of the divine. And these are called the names of God, or the divine name, holy name, sacred name. And that's basically what we're singing. Can you talk about the theory that we are actually in the Dwapara Yuga and not the Kali Yuga yet? Your thoughts on that? And if Maharaji ever spoke of Yugas or time in general? You know, what time is it? I don't even know what time it is right now. <laughs> I don't know what Yuga it is and uh, I don't really care. I just want to get through the day in a good way and create as little suffering as I possibly can for myself and for everyone I'm connected to. Those are the things that are important to me. To remember to chant, to remember to remember the name as I go through the day, to try to free myself of negative emotions and greed and fear and shame and anger. All those things that make life so hard. <clears throat> All right, so I'm learning to play harmonium. Do I play Western scales or use ragas? I do not use ragas because I never studied Indian music. I love Indian music. It's exquisitely, extraordinarily beautiful. 
but I'm totally unqualified for it. And you really have to study it. And when you learn harmonium from an Indian musician, for instance, they will teach you raga. They will teach you the scales, all the different modes of, of scales in Indian music. I'm just a frustrated rock and roller, so I got three or four chords I use, and that's about it. So, that's all I know. Yeah. So, uh, my if you want to learn to sing the chants in a simple way, a Western, uh, a way that doesn't include or or demand that you study for many hours and practice for many hours every day Indian music, you can take piano lessons and learn the chords and some melodies and stuff like that, learn how to move around the keyboard, and then you can maybe accompany yourself. <clears throat> Whenever I do puja or chant, I cry so much, when will I meet Maharaji or can see him? This makes me so sad, what to do? Well, I understand that sadness, but um, the real Maharaji is not that guy in the blanket. I used to think so, and I was very attached to his physical body after being with him for two and a half years. Uh, and when he left the body, I was destroyed because I was attached to that body. And I had, I was attached to something outside myself. He's not outside of you. He's not outside of me. He's the indwelling presence. He's the love that lives within us. So there's no sense looking outside. Absolutely no sense for, for that for him, certainly. And there's really no sense looking outside for happiness because it's all within us. We just have to locate it. We have to uncover it. And the emotions you feel can be very useful if you notice, if you recognize them as the longing to find your own truth, which is Maharaja which is God. So, but it's not going to be useful if it just makes you depressed and frustrated and causes you suffering and causes other people around you suffering because you're unhappy. The unhappiness you feel isn't because you don't have Maharaji. You have Maharaji. You just don't know where or how to feel him. That's what spiritual practice is for. That's what chanting is for. That's what puja is for. You keep letting go of your thoughts and emotions and come back and focus on the mantras, which is the names of God, your true name. And over time, hopefully, we can disentangle ourselves from believing that everything we want is outside of us. It's not true, but we believe that because that's what this world tells us. Everything's outside. It's just simply not true. 
Everything we feel, we feel inside. And we try to use external stimulus to make ourselves feel better. But that is only a temporary experience and it doesn't last. And it's not supposed to last. That's not the way things are. What lasts is your true nature, which is the divine, which is Maharaji, which is God. So you have to find that. And it's not far away. But it takes some commitment and some practice, for sure. Did KD hang out with Ramdas during any psychedelic escapades? Um, No, I don't think so. We were both kind of finished with that. Well, at least I was finished with that. I think he continued to uh, take acid every once in a while over the years. <clears throat> but I was never with him, I don't think, at that point in our lives. There was a period of about 10 years where we didn't see each other very much. And I think that's uh, a time when he was still taking uh, acid every once in a while. But I'm not entirely sure. I mean, he was, but I was never with him at that point. The news is often intense and depressing. I want to stay informed, but it can be too much. I do take breaks from certain stories at times. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, take breaks. <laughs> There's no problem. Don't worry. It's going to go on without you. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. If, if you have, we, we don't want to be destroyed by external circumstances, but we do want to learn how to deal with them in a good way. Sometimes we do have to just back off, settle down, and find that place inside again. Find that inner strength again, that openness and willingness to be present with whatever arises. But if it, once again, when it gets too much, you can back off. You can take a vacation, but you know, ultimately there is no vacation. But certainly, in terms of practice, you can uh, you you can change what you engage with. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you just can't. Whatever, you know, whatever's happening is too close to us. Those are the times when we're just forced to deal with our stuff and the stuff in the world. But, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of wonderful things that happen in this world, too. But there's no, I don't know, is there good news? Certainly not on television. I think there's a few sites on the Internet that, that, uh, that publish good news, nice things, good things that people do, good things that happen in the world. It's not all bad all the time. It just looks that way. And, of course, these are very difficult times. You know, but during, during World War II and during World War I, everybody thought the world was like coming to an end almost. I mean, it, 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 the whole world was engaged in war at least most of the world. 
And it was a very scary time. This is also a very scary time. But, you know, we can't allow ourselves to be destroyed by it. Because if we get destroyed by it, then what good can we do? How can we help? How can we lessen the suffering if we're, if our hearts are crushed by it? So yeah, you will have to find a deeper place in order to deal with it. I mean, spirituality is not running away from, from pain. It's not running away from chaos. It's not running away from the world. The spiritual path is, is, is what gives us strength to deal with whatever arises in our lives, in our personal lives, and in the bigger in the life of the world. All we can do is the best we can do. Uh, each one of us has to take responsibility for our own state of mind. And then we can find a way to share and help others as best we can in consideration of who we find ourselves to be. It's fine to take a break, but there's no escape. It's okay to take breaks and release the pressure a little bit of all the... the, Because really it's just our reaction to things that, that drives us crazy. And especially in this COVID times when people are still very isolated, when all the usual ways of blowing steam off are taken away, everybody's getting eaten up by their own minds. For someone who's a practitioner, who does sadhana, who does spiritual practice, you know, what else is new? Nothing's new about this. We've already been, we live in this place, we're aware of what our minds and thoughts do to us. We've been dealing with it for many years. That doesn't make it easier. It just, we just know what this is. It's not so unusual for us to be locked in a room. We used to go pay. We used to go on retreats where we got put in a room and didn't see anybody. And we thought that was fun. And now we're forced into those rooms. So why shouldn't it be fun? On one hand. But on the other hand, the amount of suffering that we become aware of is just supremely painful. I mean, we had uh, Hurricane Ida came through here. And I was out without power for a day, 24 hours or more, a little more. There were floods. There were trees down over the roads. Couldn't go anywhere. And that was just with 30 mile an hour winds. When you think of what happened down south in New Orleans and Louisiana, around there, Mississippi, the winds were 140 miles an hour, and people are sitting on top of their houses, and the houses are halfway buried, uh, sunk in the water. It's extraordinary the amount of, of, of chaos and suffering that are going on. So instead of cringing when you hear about those things, practice metta, practice loving kindness where you wish you, you, all those people on those houses, instead of going, oh, shit, this is too much, I, gotta, I can't watch this, just be with it and wish them well. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you find a way off of that roof. You know, may everything be okay. May all your family be, wish them well. Wish them well. Don't think about your own 
negative take on it. Because that's just reinforcing that negativity in you. Practice, which means wish them well. Be aware of that. Stay with that. Don't run from it. Stay with it. Wish them well. If that's all we can do, why not do that? If we can send money, if we can drive, take a boat down there and help people, we can do that. But if you can't, there's no reason to stay home and cringe. That's, that's not fighting the battle. This is not what Krishna was teaching Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. He said, you have to fight. It's your, it's your dharma. It's who you are. You're in this position. You can't run from this battle. We can't run from the everyday reality. Not if we're serious, real seekers. We have to deal with things. And we have to deal with our own reactions to things because that's where the pain comes from, the personal pain. So speaketh. <laughs> anyway, but the, the point is when we hear about suffering, when we feel suffering, when we feel pain, we can be with it. We can't, we don't have to try to run from it. We can be with it and we can, we can, uh, <clears throat> it's called, we can use an antidote which is opening our hearts and wishing people well, wishing those people well who's sitting on top of their houses, who are floating in the water, who've lost their pets and their loved ones, and nobody knows where they are. One guy got eaten by a crocodile because the river came up so high, the crocodile just swam over and ate this guy. Oof. So, but the inner strength is to stay strong and open and extend your heart towards the suffering. And, and little by little, we learned how to do that to our own suffering too. We, we slowly find a way to be with our own stuff, you know, and to not be so scared of our negative emotions, our unhappy stuff. <clears throat> a friend of mine is falling in addiction. I've been singing the Narayani Stuti, and he wants to post my words. Um, I, I don't think I've ever sung the whole Narayana Stuti, but on one of my CDs, uh, we'll put it up in the, in the, the chat. Uh, one of my CD, one or two of my CDs has, has, has a longer version. I think actually that one of the first CDs has a long version, a, a, a longer version of the Narayana Stuti, and that's, uh, One Track Heart. And on that, on that, in that version, Jayutal plays an incredibly beautiful instrumental thing between each verse. It's really extraordinary. And you're saying, am I wasting my time? I mean, are you not 
I mean, is, is praying for your friend wasting your time? Well, you could be watching television. I mean, what do you think wasting your time? Why is wishing somebody well wasting one time? All you can do is wish some, someone well. You can't change them. You're not going to make this person better. You're not going to cure their addiction. And you're not going to cure all their problems by wishing them well, by praying for them. But it's an incredible, powerful offering to do that. And I do believe that on some level it helps people. It helps, it helps us and it helps others to pray for people and pray that they overcome their problems. And uh, it creates circumstances in the atmosphere inside of us too that 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 also in turn create more positive energy and there can't be anything wrong with that and it's not a waste of time Did Maharaji talk about what happens to us when we die, where we go, what happens? Uh, you know, maybe not, not, you know, he, he was very, <clears throat> like I said many times, he wasn't a teacher who gave lectures, who, but every once in a while things would come, he would say things that, you, that would show you, teach you things or reveal things to you. When I, when I was having a nervous breakdown in the temple, uh, I was living in the temple with him, and was, I was having a complete breakdown. I was hallucinating. It was very bad, very painful. And I, I really wanted to die, and I was thinking about killing myself. He said, you can't die. What are you going to do? Jump in the river? And, you know, the river was six inches deep, you know. <laughs> but I thought, you know, if I got my head under a rock, I could get it done, you know. He said, he just laughed. The whole idea of killing myself was ridiculous then. You, you can't die. Worldly people don't die. Worldly people like us, who are not free, who are not liberated, who are not, who don't know reality who are living in some sorrow, the, the delusion that we, uh, whatever, about it all. We don't die. We go on and on and on and on. So what's the sense of throwing this body away if it's already impermanent? If it's already going to die by itself, why, why throw it away? And he said, you know, he said, someone dies and people cry and and they don't eat, and they, but after a few days, they're laughing and joking and, and eating again. He said, one attachment replaces another attachment, one after the other after the other. He said, this world, this world that we live in is a flow of attachment. All attachment. So... When we talk about death, 
we're referring to the physical body. And most of us are identified with the physical body. I think I, this is me. I'm here. This is me. You're there. That's you. The only reason that I'm here and you're there is because I'm seeing you through my senses, which are plugged into this body, and yours are plugged into your body. But as Bob Thurman points out, characteristically, insanely, blissfully, he says, there are no dead beings. Bodies come and go. But beings don't die. Your soul, he wouldn't use the word soul because he's a Buddhist, but... And when I use the word soul, the meaning is also a little bit more subtle than you, one might think. But anyhow, the soul doesn't die. And Krishna says in the Gita, the soul is not born, it doesn't die, you can't cut it, you can't wet it. What is it, the soul? Whatever it is, that's what lives, and the bodies come and go. Where they go, where they don't go, where the soul goes, where it doesn't go, it's beyond my, it's beyond my pay grade, as my friend Donnie says. <clears throat> How do I maintain consistency in my practice? I find myself falling off the path more often than I would like to. Uh, you're not falling off the path. The path doesn't mean, isn't just this. The path is you. Your life. Everything in it is your path. When you don't meditate, well, have you, have you disappeared? I mean, what happened to you? Did everything stop? Did all of a sudden the lights go out? The sun stopped rising? The moon never came up? Life didn't stop when you forgot to sit, when you, when you didn't sit. You're still here. You're always here. Where you really are, that's your path. Sometimes you meditate, sometimes you don't. Who is that? Reverb. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, everything in your life is your path. The, the silly little trips we do on ourselves where we guilt trip ourselves. Oh, I haven't meditated today. I haven't meditated in a week. I'm going to go to hell. I'll never get it together. This is called bullshit. This is what we do to ourselves. We tell ourselves these ridiculous stories that we believe. When you remember to sit, remember to do some practice, do it. When you don't, don't. But don't give yourself a hard time. Why would you do that? Because we're trained to do that. That's the ego. That's, that's, that's this idea of all the things we hate ourselves for. Part of the egoistic delusion. So, uh, yeah. And when your hand is in a fire, you'll pull it out right away. You don't have to be told to pull it out. You won't have to think about pulling it out. You won't have to remember to pull it out. So when you begin to realize how much pain and how much dissatisfaction there is in your life, when you really come into contact with it, you will do practice, whatever that means to you, because you will want to get away. 
you will want to get free of that pain. Nobody can make you do it. But people can point out little things about how much pain we really are in and how much we don't even really believe that we can do anything about that. Now, that's so, that's really, that's really, really hard to see. And even in ourselves, when we, when we see ourselves not really paying attention, not really doing what we ourselves know could help us if we did it, but we're prevented by our own stuff but from doing it. That's a, that's, that's a really sad place, an unhappy place. But it's not permanent. It changes. So you do what you can. You plant the seeds that you can plant. And the more that you get in touch with the longing to be free of suffering and the longing to live in that love all the time, you will do what has to be done. And nobody will have to remind you and you won't have to give yourself a hard time about it. <clears throat> Somebody wants to know about the journey from the black t-shirt to the red t-shirt. <clears throat> well, it was a journey from despair to hope. Despair to to recognizing that Maharaji is with me and always will be with me and has never gone anywhere. And the black t-shirt was uh, despair and depression and uh, not really believing that, uh, or believing that I had blown it completely and that I was never going to be happy. That was the black t-shirt. But uh, the red t-shirt was what he asked me to wear. And so that's what I wear. Someone's asking, do you do satsangs? I don't know, what the fuck is this? So anyway. What were the little magic beans you tossed to the back of your throat to help your voice come back? Ah, you want all my secrets? <laughs> they weren't magic beans, actually. It was a little mixture of, of cinnamon, black pepper, uh, slippery elm, and sugar. Sugar. Sugar, little sugar. What they call, uh, what do they call it? India. I forget. This little pieces of chini of sugar. See? Here, I'll show you. There you go. See? That's it. And it just so happens that Sidima made this for me. This mix. And this is what's left of it. This, I think I have a little bit more in another bag. This is maybe... Uh, 15, maybe 15 years ago or more, <coughs> she made this little mix for me where she asked her people to make it for me. So I have it. And um, 
That's it. You ask? You got it. Has Maharaji ever mentioned Kabir Das, the great Kabir Das Saab? You mean Kabir the poet, I assume, right? Many times. Many times. He used to quote from Kabir all the time. He would say over and over again, he said, uh, uh, this couple of that <coughs> Kabir wrote about passing through the bazaar the marketplace, but not being a buyer or a seller, nor a seller. Totally unattached, totally not involved in the business of the world. And he used to do the, he used to also sing this this other couple, Maya Mare, Namana Mare, Madamaragaya Sharir, Asha, Trishana, Ramare, Kagai Dasa Kabir which translates as Maya Mare Naman Mare. Uh, Maya doesn't die. Illusion. Even though bodies and the mind doesn't die. Even though bodies have come and gone. Hope doesn't die. Thirst doesn't die. So says Kabir. This is the situation for worldly, us worldly people. We worldly people. We have hope that will find Happiness in this world that lasts forever. Love that lasts forever. And hope and, and we have thirst for it. The thirst to find pleasure that lasts. And it's not possible. But it, but it is very hard to get beyond those hopes and desires. Very difficult. All right, somebody's asking about the use of psychedelics. Uh, the first time that my life actually really changed, when all the lights went on for me, was when I took peyote between my junior and senior years of high school, 1964. Five, yeah, 64. Everything was lit up and colorful and alive and beautiful. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, right. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. I had no doubt that what I was seeing was more real than what I had been living in before that moment. So the, the peyote opened me up to a different experience of the world, of, of life. And that was a big thing, a really, really big thing. Of course, I got extraordinarily depressed over the next year or so in high school. After seeing all that, having to go to school was like insane. And, you know, be surrounded by nobody else knew anything about that. So I was very unhappy very unhappy and um, but my point is 
that's what really, that's what happened. And I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for that. And then I scored 10 hits of acid, LSD, in, while I was in college at Stony Brook. And when I took the first one, I was in school. I was on the basketball team. I had a job at the library. And I was going to classes, I think. Of course, I don't really remember ever going to class, but I must have. By the 10th capsule of LSD, when I took the first one, I was in school doing all By the 10th one, I was living alone in the mountains of Pennsylvania with my two dogs, my cat, and my horse. And no human beings. <laughs> Zero. I, I couldn't be around people because I didn't have any skin. And I could feel everything that anybody was feeling or thinking. It was just too much input. So I just had to be alone. And that was it for my acid experiences. Well, I, I took one hit in India, but it was the acid didn't work. It was too old. Years later. But uh, Maharaji, I asked Maharaji if I could take the yogi medicine. He said, yeah, you can take it when you're in a cold, a cool place and you're, and you're at peace. So I was never at peace and India was only cold in a couple of different places in the winter. So it took me a while to, until I found <laughs> the moment to do it, but then it didn't work. It was just too old. Ramdas had given me that acid. So um, the point is that I don't know that if I would have been interested in any of this stuff, if it wasn't for the psychedelics. And then, of course, Maharaji would say things like, the yogi medicine, LSD, brings you into the room with Christ. But you can't stay. But it's good for beginners. Because it shows you something. But if you keep doing it, going in the room, then getting thrown out, going in, getting thrown out, that's not healthy. The only way to stay, he said, is love. So once you know the room is there, to keep using the psychedelics is probably, in the long run, not the best not the best idea. But, you know, everybody's different. That's, for me, it wasn't the best idea. I stopped, you know, before I went to India the first time. So, and for me, that, that, that works. But maybe other people, it won't work. So who knows? But once again, it's also set and setting. You have to, you know, you have to be, what are you looking to get? from it? What do you want from it? Are you, are you sincere in trying to overcome the things in you that are closing you down and keeping you out of that space? Because the psychedelics will blow that open. And that can be painful. It can be scary. It can also be wonderful. For me, it was always wonderful to get out of myself. I don't think I was ever afraid. I remember one trip, I was lying in bed after like 18 hours of being completely blitzed out. And I was just lying in bed, 
just spaced. And on the other side of the room, there was a window. And I was just kind of like, you know, looking out the window and not really focused on anything. And then <clears throat> I felt something like coming towards me. Like I'm looking out the window and I th I'm feeling like there's something coming towards me. What could this be? And it was coming closer and closer. I could like, feel like something was coming closer to me. It wasn't scary, but it was like, what is this? And then closer and closer and all of a sudden, oh no, it's a thought. <laughs> and the thought crashed over me. And then I was thinking. And some amount of time went by and the thought, and all of a sudden I felt this, this thing leaving, like going out of me, going past. And I said, no, no, don't go, don't go. Oh, the thought was gone. And I was back in this open space. And then after a while, oh no, it's, no, 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 no. <laughs> and it was like a wave that thought crashed over me. And then they started coming more quickly and more quickly and more quickly and quickly and quickly. And then I was lost in thought. But I'd been out of thought for God knows how long, 18 hours, playing with the dog and the snow and just like let out of jail. You know, my, my, my personality was so... Uh, so unhappy at the time that whenever I, I it just was where I got out of it. It was so great. And then I met Ramdas shortly after that. And that was the beginning of another thing. So all right. <clears throat> okay, so let me see now. Nina, would you write uh, Om Namo Bhagavate Anjani Nandanaya and Om Namo Bhagavate Pavama Nanandanaya Pavana, Pavamanan Nandanaya Pavamanan Danaya Pavamanan Nanaya Pavamanan Pavamanan Nandanaya I don't know. Write it. <laughs> so. Is it best to live a solitary life and devote the most time possible to practice? Or is it best to live around a family and friends trying to practice while in the world? Yes, it is. Whatever your karmas dictate, there's no best way. There's just your way. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Whatever, whatever unfolds for you, I thought I was going to be a celibate monk in India for my whole life. That's what I thought when I went there in 1970. Didn't work out that way. <laughs> but that's fine. What to do? That's the way it is. <clears throat> All right, anybody have more questions and stuff? Maybe you'd like to come to the Chai and Chat where we can have a conversation.
So I'm going to do Hanuman Chalisa. And Nina wrote somewhere, I don't see it, but you probably see it, the words that we're going to sing between, after every four lines, we're going to sing these words. Om Namo Bhagavate Anjani Nandanaya. Anjani is Hanuman's mother. Anjani Nandan means the son of Anjani. And Naya, like Shivaya, like Krishnaya, like it's just a Sanskrit thing. It means something, and I don't know what it means. But it's the way you end that. Om Namo Bhagavate like Vasudevaya. But instead of Vasudevaya, we're going to sing Anjani Nandanaya. Anjani Nandan means son. Means son. Anjani Nandanaya. And the second line is Om Namo Bhagavate Pavamananandanaya. Pavamanan, Pavamananandanaya. Pavamananandanaya. It's a little bit hard to say. So you might have to read it four or five thousand times, like I did. <clears throat> I even recorded it the wrong way, and I didn't even realize it. So, until like years later. Well, you'll live and learn. Let's practice that a little together. Om Namo Bhagavate. Om Namo Bhagavate. Anjani Nandan. Anjani Nandan. Anjani Nandanaya. Anjani Nandanaya. Right? Anjani Nandanaya. And Om Namo Bhagavate. Pavama. Nanandanaya Pavamana Nandanaya Pavamanan Nandanaya Pavamana Nandanaya That's a hard one. It's okay. Guru Charan Saroja Raja Nijamana Makur Sudhar Parano Raghubar Bimala Jasu Chodayak Palachar Buddhihin Tanujan Ke Sumiram Pavan Kuma Siyara Anjani put the Pavan Sutana Mahabir of 
Charangi Kumatinava Sumatikesan Kanchanavaran Viragi Subesan Om Namo 
Sahasranyodan Paraban Iliotaim Durapalajan Rabumudre Kamilim Kumahi Chala de Langega Echarjana Durakamakaj Jagata Kajete Sugama Anugra Marete Teum Namo Bhagavate Janinandanaya Om Namo Bhagavate Pavamanandanaya Om Namo Bhagavate Sukla hai sharan Tumhara chakka hu kodal Apna tej samaro ape Tino loka hankateng kampe Utpasashan katan hi ave Mahavir chapanam sunave Anamo bhagavate Sabapir, Japatanirant, Taranumatabir, Sankatanuman Churab, Manukama Bachan, Tamajola, Sabapararam, Tapasuviraja, Tina Kekad, Sakalatumasaja, Or Manor, Tajoko Elave, Om Namo Bhagavate Anjaninandanaya Om Namo Bhagavate Avamananandanaya Om Namo Bhagavate Sadhu Santa Ketumarakovari Asura Nakandana Ramadula Ashkisu Bhagavate Anjaninandana 
Shiva, Shiva, Shiva. 
Shivaya, Namah Shivaya, Namah Shivaya, Namah Shivaya. Namah Shivaya, Namah Shivaya, Namah Shivaya, Namah Shivaya. Shambhu Shankar, Namah Shivaya, Kirya Shankar, Namah Shivaya. about a path at all. If we know that there might be a way to live in this world as it is, to live in this world in a good way, with an open heart, without fear, if we know anything about that, it's only because of the great beings that have gone before us. Out of their love, out of their kindness, they left some footprints for us to follow. So, in the same way that they wish for us, in the very same way that they wish for us, we wish that all beings everywhere, all of us, be safe, be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. And may we all live in peace. And at ease of heart, at ease of heart, with whatever comes to us in life.
Stay. Take care, be well. Mm -hmm.